God, we serve a mighty God, an awesome God. What a beautiful day, the cool rain that has come down to give water, amen, give food, seed, amen, all things that we have need of, amen. Praise God. So we want Brother Miller to come, and I will take up the Sunday school offering this morning, amen, getting our lives back into perspective, amen. Let's get it back where it's supposed to be, and I guarantee you things have moved smoothly for us, amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord, everyone. Always good to be in the house of God. So thankful for what God is doing. On the base, there was a building, a facility, used to be used for chapel services. A drive-by, that building quite a few times on my way to work and the condition of that building was pretty bad just recently they began to tear down this building they're doing some demolition on the building um, everybody's heard of that term condemned they condemn the building when it's no longer usable when you can no longer use that facility for the purpose it was designed for it eventually becomes condemned but there is a progressive process that happens before it becomes condemned things begin to deteriorate you start seeing the paint fall off maybe parts of the building begin to fall off things inside the building no longer operate like they used to uh, maybe you start seeing cobwebs, it gives you a sign that's probably been there for a while and unoccupied. A lot of different signs to show you that the condition of this building is degenerative. Now, the show of hands, how many of you would buy, purchase a car? Now, for those of you, before I finish this, those of you who like projects, I'm not referring to you because that's a whole different lesson but how many would go to the car dealership and knowingly purchase a vehicle that you cannot use if the dealer tells you that there is no battery the dealer tells you that there is no motor the dealer tells you you pretty much don't have anything under the hood to give power to that vehicle would you still attempt to go test drive that vehicle if you do decide you still going to try to test drive that vehicle you probably need to take an auto mechanics class and become familiar with what the car needs in order to function this is not to insult your intelligence but it's to bring out a point if you would not do that, then why do we feel that God would just be pleased with coming and trying to test drive in our lives when we don't position ourselves for him to use us? The Bible says that we are a temple of God. We talked about this last week, right? Let me just say this. Something to consider when we evaluate ourselves. The Bible tells us to examine ourselves.
search ourselves. And I believe Pastor was preaching on us a couple weeks ago, talking about the same thing. Searching, examining, evaluating ourselves. Look at ourselves. We have to look within and see what's really going on inside. See, it's one thing to carry a title and present ourselves as if we are something. But there's a difference in claiming the title and exercising the title. Being a Christian is more than just a fancy title to put on the front doors or, to, or, or on top of the building to say this is who we are. It's a lifestyle. But if we are Christians, that means that we possess Christ. If you've been baptized in Christ, you have what? Put on Christ, right? And guess what? If you put on Christ, Christ lives within you. But I wonder for many of us throughout the globe who claim to be Christians, how many of us have cobwebs that have been developing over time? How much of our paint that has been put on the walls inside and out has been chipping off? Have we been weathered in the storm? The things that used to function within us, are they no longer functioning like they're supposed to? Do we show signs that we are not really occupied? We talked about this before, but God is more interested in dwelling in temples that are mobile and that are actively engaged. Otherwise, he would have chose any idol, any image, any building, any facility to dwell in and just leave it at that. But God chooses to dwell within us. Now, everybody in here, I think most of us can say we received the Holy Ghost, right? I'm not going to tell you that you received it, but I'm pretty sure you have professed this already in your own life that you received the Holy Ghost. Do we understand what that means when we say we received the Holy Ghost? Last week we talked about when you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive what? The Spirit. Spirit of God, right? So now, consider this. If we have received the Spirit of God and we are inactive in the life that we live in, then what does that say about the God that we say we possess? It's easy to disprove God's validity when there is no sign of God from those who say they believe and follow after him. Are y'all with me? I'm not trying to complicate it, but that's just what it boils down to. You say you have the spirit of God. There should be some kind of evidence. Ephesians chapter 4, I'll begin with verse 1. Paul writes, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation. What does the word vocation mean? Divine calling, right? Right? Or as we know it in the corporate world, 
a profession, right? A career, something that you do, right? Wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. That word's probably going to come up a couple times throughout this lesson. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Y'all see that word unity, right? Unity of what? Let me clarify. Some people misconstrue when we talk about unity in the body of Christ. It does not mean that we have to agree on everything. So you like the color blue. Maybe I don't. But does it matter? If we agree that the color blue is the best color? Does it matter whose football team is the best? Is that a heaven or hell issue? But you'd be surprised how much of it will keep some people out of heaven. Folks will go to a football game and scream their lungs out and come to church and act like they're the most professional, sedate individual. Why do people feel like you got to come to church and act professional? Like you got to impress somebody at church. Do you not realize that everybody sitting in the pews, we all here for the same reason because we need God? If any of us is put together, it's because God has put us together. You ain't got to impress us. We don't have to impress one another. We came to present ourselves before God. Come acting like we got it all together on our own. Well, then you don't need church. You don't need God. That's the beauty of it. Coming to the house of God, he is the one that puts us together. So whatever shape you in, if you just give it to the Lord, he'll fix it. And he'll do a whole lot better job than what we can do. Unity of the spirit. It's what matters. The spirit. What happens in the spiritual realm. We're going to talk about that uh, in the upcoming weeks. Talking about the spirit and, you know, what happens in the eternal. But bottom line is spiritual things are eternal. Not carnal. Spiritual things transcend what we know in this life. Everything we see with our eyes, the tangible things, spiritual things are not necessarily seen with your physical eyes. They're eternal. Unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit. Even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. This is one of, one of the main scriptures I learned, one of the first scriptures I learned growing up as a kid. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. So in case you didn't know, Deuteronomy 6 and 4, here is your the Lord our God is one Lord. Ephesians 4 and 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Look at verse 6, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all. And, right? Now, (laughs) 
I would have, if I would have wrote this, I probably would have tried to write this in a different sequence. But it really doesn't matter because it brings out all the points. What I'm keying in on here, we talked about the, the fact that the Holy Ghost comes into us, the Spirit of God dwelling in us. Right? We talked about how, you know, Jesus Christ coming on earth, his arrival, and the scripture talks about Emmanuel, calling him Emmanuel, being interpreted God with us. We talked about the receiving of the promise that he told the, uh, the apostles about, that they received on the day of Pentecost. God in us, right? The indwelling of the Spirit of God. But I want to I focus on the through all today. You have a lot of folks who are trying to impact the world with a power that they don't possess. There is a vacancy. And so in order to impact them or try to impact them with the same magnitude, you've got to conjure up something. But you better be careful what you conjure up. Satan can portray himself or present himself as an angel of light. Well, he would know how to do that because that was his origin. That's where he started. But that's all he can do. He can't ever portray God. I'm going to mention this again, but I just I think it's mind-blowing. I was sharing this with my wife, but... This is what's mind-blowing to me. So we have all this knowledge. We have all this information. Remember we talked about science and how science validates the scriptures and so on and so forth, right? But science is taking what already exists. They can't go beyond what exists. The other thing that's fascinating to me about the information that we have is that it all has an origin or beginning. The only one that is exempt from the beginning is God. Okay? So everything else has a perimeter of time. A beginning and an end. The only one that is outside of that is God. And the only way to disprove God would be to pre-exist God, which means you would have to pre-exist eternity. Which would put eternity in a time capsule in itself. So that is impossible. So how do you disprove God? He has no beginning. But we can't capacitate that because everything we know is confined to time. But watch this. Even the angels themselves have a beginning. So they themselves can't even capacitate the fullness of eternity. So the enemy can only give you but so much knowledge. As long as he's been around, his knowledge is limited. Isn't that something? I think that's pretty powerful because that lets you know already right there, look, you already lost the battle, bro. You did not pre-exist God. No one. Everything that God created. The Bible says in the beginning, what? God. So that would indicate if you look at it, 
closely that would indicate that God preceded the beginning, the beginning of time as we know it. Who created time? God created time. So what existed before time? Wow. That was just mind-blowing for me. So everything we know has a beginning. Things that we take to prove other things have an origin, a beginning. You know, scientists themselves, they tell you all the way back to, they trace it down to a single source of power, but they can't tell you where that power came from. You're going to have to acknowledge at some point in time that there's something greater than just an accident. So, there's no way to outdo God, right? Now, God, talking about being in us or through us, working through us, in order for, us, in order for God to work through us, he chooses to reside in us. Now, this is important. Mark chapter, six, uh, Mark chapter 16 because we don't talk about this. And y'all excuse me, but this might get a little personal for some. And that's okay. Because it's all out of love. It's the word of God. Amen? Let me say this now. I'm not saying anything intentionally. When I'm up here teaching, I don't think about people, individual, and their issues, or whatever the case may be. I don't think about that. I'm just up here to share what God has told me to share. If it applies to you, it applies to you. Then you have a choice. If it doesn't, praise God anyhow for God giving us a word of love and sharing with us what he wants us to know. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, guess what they'll do? They'll cast out devils. When was the last devil you cast out? Hmm. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. Nobody telling you to go out there and look for a snake. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Why? Because they've got the power of God residing in them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. What is he saying? Jesus is basically saying the same thing he told his disciples. He says, these things and greater things shall ye do. You witness me doing the miracles, performing the miracles, and you're going to be able to do those things and even more. If that is the case, brothers and sisters, this is where it gets real. Because we can talk and talk and talk. We can present all kinds of information, but if there is no sign that follows what we say we have, then we have nothing to stand on. We really have no impact on the world we're trying to reach. 
The problem is some folks are trying to use a corporate approach to win the world when God never asks us to do that. He asks us to basically submit to his will as he operates through us to reach the world that he's trying to reach, to save souls. I don't find in the scriptures, now hear me out. Some of y'all, y'all are already get ready to throw stones. I will, I will clarify in a second. But I don't find in the scriptures where there were 50 million programs to reach the world. I don't find it. But what I do find is that the apostles, that's why the book of Acts is written. Because it shows the acts of the apostles going out and acting upon what Jesus already commissioned them to do. Now, that being said, I am not downplaying ministries or programs. Because there are programs that are necessary. But let me just say this. If you are developing a program to increase numbers, you might have the wrong agenda. I told y'all y'all going to be ready to throw stones. But listen, the Bible says God gives the increase. What's the thing that matters the most? We got Spanish American ministry, we got Negro ministry, we got all these other ministries, and the question I'm asking is, if I speak the same language you speak, then what does it really matter? Why do I have to have a separate ministry? Do I need to go through the back door too? I told y'all I was going to get real. I'm bringing it out. Because these are, these are little petty things that we have going on and we wonder why we can't be effective reaching the world because we got these little nuances that's holding us back that we think is propelling us toward God. And the whole while God is looking at it saying, you think I'm accepting that? I didn't plan this, y'all. We want to be effective. We want to be witnesses. The Bible says we'll be witnesses unto who? Christ. Not ourselves. Not our denomination. I told y'all last week, put what you want on the front door. As long as you don't deface the name of Christ. What matters most is what's going on inside the place. Because what's going on inside the place is what's going to affect those that are around the place. It's going to take more than good sounding music to change somebody's life. I know that. I'd be a fool to sit up here and play this keyboard thinking, oh, this is just going to change. Somebody going to leave here. It's going to take more than that, bro. You shall know the truth, and the truth is what's going to make you free. Can I be real? God gives us his spirit for a reason. And Jesus tells him, these signs shall follow them that believe. Well, if you say you believe, where are the signs? Because, brothers and sisters, it's, I mean, it's not just one man that God is trying to operate through. Why do we think God would give us the spirit if all he was going to use was just the pastor to cater to every need that we have? 
Is this all right, Pastor? God gave you power. That's what he told him in Acts 1, right? You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you're going to be witnesses. How are you going to witness? Because you're going to go out and you're going to engage in the work that I've called you to do. We just talked about the vocation, right? Doing something with what he's given you. When was the last time you laid hands on the sick and they recover? I thank God for that power. Last, it was last week. Last weekend, I had such a pain in my wrist. This pain was so bad, I, I, went, to, I went to scratch, and I couldn't, I couldn't scratch without pain. It was just a constant pain that was in my wrist. I don't know where it came from. And I told my wife, I said, I don't know. I said, I may have to go in and get this checked out. But the pain would not, it was just there. I went to go do simple things. I couldn't, I couldn't pick up anything. I couldn't hold anything. It just, my wrist was, it was just in pain. And I didn't remember injuring myself, but one thing I remember doing, I said, you know what? Lord, I'm going to pray. I'm going to lay hands on my own wrist. And I'm going to pray. God, I believe you're a healer. And I'm asking you to heal me. Whatever way you choose to do it, when you choose to do it, I'm just believing that you're going to heal me. Sunday morning. Sunday morning. I got you, brother. I came in. I could barely play the keyboard. But over the course of the day, things started changing. And thank God. I couldn't even do this, y'all, without pain. But thank God I can move. I can move my wrist. I can shake my hand. I can, you know... And I know it was nobody but God. I'm talking about that power, y'all. Listen, that was just, okay, I know it was a little issue to you. But I don't know what it is that you're facing. But if you have the same power, you say you got the Spirit of God in you, you can lay hands on yourself. This is the problem. Some folks don't believe it. I don't know why. What you got, brother? Okay. Grandma had shingles started on her head. I don't know what day that was. Monday. 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 Okay. And when she told me about this, she had it before, okay, which is years ago. I'm saying years ago she had shingles on her head. Real bad. Real bad rash, red, and burning. And when she told me that, we went home, and I, I gathered all my kids together around Grandma, and we began to pray in Jesus' name for a healing for her head. And let me tell you something. She'd been to the doctor. She got her medication, but since then she said that shingles is not bothering and it has not broken out like it should have. Praise God. Praise God. That's it. power in the name of Jesus for healing, for every one of our healings. That's right. That was the purpose of the cross. Amen. When they laid those stripes on his back, that blood still heals today and it still flows today to every healing that we need. And there is power in the name of Jesus to deliver people who are sick and dying. Amen. And let's give God a hand clap of praise for what he has done. God, we thank you, Jesus, for your healing power. This thing is real. God bless you for being here. This thing is real. You know, I'm just one of those people. If I'm coming to church, it's not because I'm coming to please somebody else. 
And if I'm coming to the house of God, I'm not looking for a feel good, but I need something real to keep me. The things that we encounter in this life are real. Whether you realize it or not, the things you're up against, it's real. Now, Hollywood has downplayed a whole lot of this stuff with everything they produced about evil. Look at everything that's being produced now. You can't find a good television show no more that don't have some kind of evil. And, and I mean, they're, they're blatantly putting it, putting it out there. The, the titles of these shows is everything that opposes God. And then you got folks who say they're Christians who are watching them. So what is that doing? That's desensitizing you to the power of God. So then when you need to cast out a demon, you can't cast them out because he's been living with you. I told you I was going to get real, so I'm sorry if I'm stepping on your toes, but this is what it... Listen, it's the real stuff that's going to save souls, amen? I'm sick and tired of the pat cake and all the skirting around and walking on eggshells to try not to hurt anybody's feelings. I just need to preach the truth, and it's up to you whether you accept it or not. But my aim is to help save your soul. That's what God wants to do. I'm not worried about if you like me or not. At the end of the day, you're not going to be standing before me. I'm not going to be the one determining whether you get into heaven or not. It's God. So I need to speak His word. Amen? And sometimes the truth hurts. But the Bible lets us know the truth is what's going to make you. It's not enough to say I'm a Christian and you ain't got no power. Because you're going to come up against some demons that are belligerent. Do you ever encounter somebody that's possessed? That stuff is real. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what science says. When you encounter somebody possessed, then you know what you're facing. And you better have some power on you to be able to cast those things out. Remember I was talking last week. You know, you cannot, you cannot effectively, you know, I've, I've dealt with addictions before in my life. And I tell you what, it's one of those things that once it grips you, it grips you. Science tries to do an approach. And I tell you what, if you're in the world and you're not interested in church and you're not interested in God and, you know, all that, then guess what? There are some programs out there to try to help coach you and give you therapy to help you get over those addictions. But the best way to try to get over those addictions is to get a hold of God. I'm not downplaying medicine for all those who are not interested in God, but I'm telling you the best way to overcome those things is to get a hold of God. Because the power of God not only has the ability to help you overcome those moments when you're really facing, when it's really hard, but he also has the power to make you victorious in your life. So it's not just one of those things that, oh, I just keep it. Oh, man, this thing still got a hold of me. No, 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 no. Now you got power over it. Whether it's alcohol, drugs, it doesn't matter. When you receive the Holy Ghost, there is power that comes with that. It's the Spirit of God. Now we look at God as he's just above us, and he is. But look at what the Scripture says. He's above all, through all. And in you all. So when you receive the Spirit of God, He gives you power to exercise to the ability that He expects you to. 
He doesn't just put requirements out there and don't make a way for you to live up to it. There is a way. But you got to let him reside within you and then work through you. I prayed with some folks and not even know what they was going through. We was in Korea. I did not. I had no clue until we left. There was a young lady that came to one of the services. She had stopped coming to the services. Filipino lady. <laughs> Excuse me. And uh, just praying for her and preaching the word of God. And, you know, she told us when we left. She said, when I came, she said, I was already contemplating suicide. I was looking at taking my life. She said, a friend invited me, and I said, well, you know what? Okay, fine, I'll go. But this was her last straw. She said when she came, she experienced the power of God for her own self. I didn't know her situation, but I can tell you God turned her life around. When we left from there, she was a whole lot stronger spiritually than what she was before. But that wasn't because of me. That was because of God. I just wanted to be a vessel. Remember I told you all about that vehicle. Guess what? We all come before God in various conditions. This is the beautiful part about this. Whatever shape and condition that we are in, we come before God broken. We come before God abused. We come before God feeling like we've been used rejected all these other things that we experience in our life. We're in bad shape. Even the goodest person, and that's not even the proper way to say that, even the goodest person is still a mess before God without him. But guess what God does? No matter what your condition is, Anybody ever seen pottery? You've seen pottery before, right? Anybody ever seen somebody make pottery? Molding, molding the, uh, the, the vase or whatever, <clears throat> whatever the image is. And sometimes it breaks. And sometimes it comes together really good. And it's a whole process, right? Before it looks, when you look at it, you're like, man, that looks great. But you don't know the process it went through. This is the beautiful thing about this whole thing. Whatever condition you are in. Now this is, this is this, this a two-part thing. Whatever condition you are in, God is able to restore you to your true value. Because think about it. When God created you, he already had a value for you. So your experiences in life are not supposed to dictate the outcome of your life. You go through the things that you go through. We all go through some things. But it takes God to bring us to that level of proficiency that we're supposed to be at. He brings it. I believe the scripture says in Ecclesiastes, he has made everything beautiful in his time. But in order for that process to work, just like with that pottery, you got to submit to him. 
submitting to him, and I know that sounds like a bad thing to the world because it's like, man, I don't trust nobody. You know, I'm just, you know, I've been hurt so many times and just so many things have happened. But look at it this way. If you want to replace the word submit, it doesn't change the context, but embrace him. That's what the submission is all about, embracing him. And you know an embrace is a good thing. But that's what he wants you to do. Because when you embrace him, you're going to embrace the benefits that he has for your life. I have not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, the things that God, the things that he has, the things that he says, the things that he has planned for your life, you don't even know yet. It has not even manifested yet. But in order for that to manifest, guess what? You have to embrace it. I love the fact that God does not force himself on anyone. This is some of the errors sometimes, you know, in our efforts to, to share the truth with people. And we want to see people get saved. Sometimes we go a little bit overboard and we start doing more than what God. God's like, well, huh, I ain't tell you to do all that. See, I can talk the way I'm talking in here because I know this is the body of Christ. Right? Everybody come in here to learn more about Christ. When I go out into the world and I'm talking to folks that, that are lost, I can't bring it to them like this all the time because they just don't know. Now, I don't sugarcoat the truth, but i got to start with what's relevant for them. Hey, you know what? God wants to save your soul. I can't fix you until you get the power to be fixed first. Does that make sense? Right? So, I mean, think about it. You can't live in the house until you buy the house, right? It's a process. I'm not going to go too far into that. But receiving the Holy Ghost is a significant thing. It's more than just a verbal proclamation. I can say, I accept, I acknowledge that Jesus Christ exists, that he's Lord and Savior, and all those great things. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's in the scripture. You know, the first step to even to in the plan of salvation, faith and believing. You can't even receive what God has for you if you don't have faith. And faith comes by the hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? And then you've got to believe in what you have heard. So all that part about I accept, and that's great. But now it goes further. I can accept the fact that Brother Richard is sitting here with his wife. He's at the service. He's at church. But what does that mean? He's in attendance. But guess what? When I shake his hand... When I hug him and I say, Brother Richard, it's so good to see you, man. I'm so glad that, you know, and we start worshiping and praising God together. We start interacting with the service. It takes a whole different meaning. We become engaged. We didn't just come to sit. We came to interact. We came to feed off of. I'm encouraging him. He's encouraging me. 
it takes it to a whole different level. There's a relationship established. I came in contact with him. And when I came in contact with him, he began to encourage me with some things that God has laid on his heart. I began to encourage him with God, things that God laid on my heart. We get, begin to praise God together. We're uplifting. We leave encouraged. God wants to have an encounter with you. But you got to come in contact. So speaking it is not merely enough. How many people speak stuff in this world? You got folks who will speak something to you and it really has no significance whatsoever to them. They'll say it without thinking and it really don't have no significance. You know how you can tell when you ask them again? Ask them later on to repeat what they said. Chances are they probably won't repeat it because it didn't really mean anything to them in the first place. Like, I love you. Everybody's heard that phrase before, right? When you get filled with the Spirit of God, love takes on a whole new meaning. It's greater than just, oh, I flower you with all the great things that I can buy you and so on and so forth. And, you know, I just treat you nice. No, there's a difference. Can I say this to you? I'm going to have to just finish this next week. But love has taken on such a bad rap in our world today. A lot of things have been done in the name of love. And there's a lot of misunderstanding, misconception about love. First of all, love is not emotional. Love is not an emotion. I don't care what the world tells you. Love is not an emotion. In fact, the word of God tells us that God is love. So if you love, that means you have the Spirit of God. That's what the Word of God says. So in essence, what are you expressing when you say, I love you? You're expressing God. But how can you express God if you don't have God? For all the hatred, anger, bitterness, and everything else, resentment, jealousy, envy, and all those other things that exist in the flesh, we need something more powerful than us to reside in us. It's not enough just to come to a place and get a feel of God. we got to have God wherever we go. Because the situations and circumstances that we face play or they prey on our emotions. That's why sometimes if somebody do you wrong, you ready to snap. I know he didn't just say that to me. You called me what? You just cut me off. I was driving to church today. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) I was talking to my wife and I said, you know what? It was a gentleman behind me. And he rolled up. Now, I'm in the slow lane. I'm not slow, but I was in the slow lane. And I'm going to speed limit. 70 miles per hour is the speed limit. And the gentleman behind me rides up on my vehicle. Now, there's no one in the fast lane. Me and my wife, we the only two vehicles on the road in this, in this particular area. And he's just riding on my bumper. And yes, I had a mind in the carnality, in the, in the flesh, to step on my brakes. Now, he was in the wrong. 
because according to the traffic law, you're supposed to at least have about what three to five seconds between each vehicle, or at least a at least a, a vehicle's dif- uh, distance between the one in front of you, right? Seven cars, seven cars. So I can tell you right now, he was nowhere near no seven cars. He wouldn't have had no time to react. <laughs> then it was, as he was driving by. I did want to put up a sign of a cross. I wouldn't dare think about doing anything else. But as he's going, then I had a mind to drive behind him and do the same thing. This is a situation that I faced on the way to church. Now, here's what's interesting, y'all. I was just talking to my wife about how people waking up with bad attitudes. And, you know, I said, I don't understand, you know, they, they just having bad attitudes. How you wake up and you're on your way to church and have a bad attitude. And then this situation occurs, like right after the conversation. I didn't do any of those things I thought about doing. And the reason why is the same reason why I don't do a lot of things when, when it comes to retaliation. Because I always think back, is this the Christian thing to do? They may not know me, but this may be my only opportunity to be a witness for God to them. It's challenging sometimes because we live in this flesh. That say, I'm the baddest thing. And if you cross me one time, you won't cross me again. But that's the flesh. But what glory is in that? Where's the glory in that, really? Because all I'm doing is I'm destroying myself. I'm allowing hatred, bitterness, and all these other things to destroy me. I'm the one that's being destroyed. And oh, by the way, because I know better... What would y'all think if y'all, Brother Miller in jail on a Sunday morning on the way to church and I'm in jail with my suit on? What kind of witness would that be? No, it's not. They got thrown in prison for a different reason. (laughs) But the bottom line is this. Every opportunity, having the spirit of God, it's not a matter of putting on a facade. I've heard it many times. I used to say it too. You know, man, I ain't about to be fake for nobody. I'm going to be real. I'm going to keep it real. I had no understanding of what real was. Reality was just what was right there in front of my face. I had no foresight. I had no insight. So it was just my interpretation of what was real. But when he filled me with his spirit, he began to expose to me what was truly real. And I don't feel like I'm putting on a facade. In fact, what I feel like I'm doing is living up to a requirement. By me not retaliating to what I see or the situations I encounter, I feel like I'm living up to another level. Because it takes a bigger person to walk away from an issue. And not retaliate. That takes discipline. That takes the power of God. 
Anybody can fly off the handle. But I guarantee you, you'll puzzle people when you walk away. When somebody, when you do what Jesus said and, and they, they hit you on the right cheek and you just walk away. Oh, that ain't in the world's vocabulary. But when you have the Spirit of God, it changes you. And as it works through you, it impacts other people. Sometimes you have to go through some things in order for God to be seen by other people. Because they see what you're going through, but they see God in what you're going through. The Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see what? Your good works. Sometimes that's your good response to a bad situation. And then who gets the glory? God gets the glory. I got to continue this next week. I'm a little bit over my time, but God bless you. Listen, let's let God reside in us so he can work through us and so he can receive the glory. We're going to take a break in Jesus' name and be ready for a dynamic service. Amen. God bless you.